If I ever disappear, it's because I told my dad that I was moving more than an hour away with his grandchildren. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 69 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Reuven Lerner. Hello from Chicago. We have Curtis McHale. Hello. Ash Dryden. Hi, everyone. Eric Davis. Hi. Jeff Schoolcraft. What's up? And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, setting boundaries and how to handle that. So, um, have any of you had a project where you tried to set boundaries with a client and it went poorly? I have. Uh, definitely uh, with a certain type of client. That's like my biggest boundary that I set with new clients is the hours that I work. And uh, there are certain class of clients that believe that people should be available all the time, no matter what, no matter if it's an emergency or not, that didn't really care for the strict work hours. Yeah, so- I think we've all had that. I had a client email me once and then call me at like 2 a.m. And my response was my rate went up based on how annoyed I am because <laughs> I was really annoyed. I actually tell clients that my weekend rate and my evening rate is based on how annoyed I am. <laughs> nice. I just tell my clients that it's it's double after 5 or 6 p.m., whatever I decide. And uh, un- unless I decide to work, in other words, if it's on my terms, but if they call me, yeah, and uh, I also tell them I don't have an on-call rate because I won't be on-call. Yeah, fair enough. I had one client that want, that was upset a couple weeks ago that I wouldn't launch their site at like midnight for their whole 10 people a day, and I told them that I would for $10,000. They wanted me to do it. That was my going rate for midnight launches. And nice. they, they expected it like $100, and I'd just do it, and I said no. Um, I think my for most clients, though, it's they feel it is an emergency even when it isn't, right? The client that called me at 2 a.m., they their e-commerce site wasn't running and they said they told me they were losing thousands and thousands of dollars an hour. And the reality is they sold like, you know, $10, $10 widgets in a week at max. <laughs> it wasn't really. And I like when I sat down and explained that to them, I can see your metrics too. One hour of my time costs more than that. And in the middle of the night, my time is more expensive than that. The biggest way I've combated that is actually the iPhone has this, the the mute feature. And so after five o'clock, the only people that ring through to my phone are my uh, favorites, which is just family and friends. That's it. I, I My phone doesn't make any other noise except family and friends text messages. Yeah, the do not disturb feature. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's, it's super nice. And you can also turn it on. Um, you can set it so that it by default works a certain way. I don't, I, by default, it's the wrong term, but it automatically turns on at like 6 p.m. and turns off at, um, you know, 7 a.m. or whenever. Um, and then you can also set it so that, uh, so that it'll run for an hour or a half hour or something as well. So you just, you know, you just set it and say, I'm in an hour meeting. Do not disturb. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that 
especially when I was starting is I didn't treat myself like a business, right? You don't call up the bank at 3 a.m. or like, and then get mad at them when you go in the next day or anything because that teller you like wasn't there, right? You, <laughs> they are a business. You don't expect them to do that. So when you start treating yourself like a business, say, here's my hours. I'm not going to respond to you outside those hours and then stick to it. Then your clients will start treating you like a business as well. Right. So I, I've actually had some issues with that in part because being based in Israel and working with people all over the world, but especially in the U.S., I've sometimes had clients who are in California, which is a 10-hour difference, time difference. And so to say to them, I'm only going to be available during my uh, 9 to 5 work hours is, is just not going to happen. And the fact is I know and they know that I tend to work uh, for a few hours after my wife and kids go to sleep. So I don't ever enforce that sort of you can only call me from 9 to 5, partly because, well, I guess if Israeli clients call me and it's outside of business hours and it takes more than a few minutes, I tell them, let's just talk about this tomorrow. And my American clients tend not to call me. They tend to contact me on Skype or via email. And then if I'm tired or if I'm not around, then they just have to wait till the next day. Uh, and, and they seem to be okay with this. You know, every so often there's an emergency, you know, or, or, or as Curtis said, you know, they think it's an emergency. And then typically, if well, if I'm not around, just wait till the next day. Yeah, I, I can say that I did have a client that was in Hong Kong, and then he moved to Singapore. So, I mean, there's a pretty decent time difference there. And yeah, I worked around it by pulling some early mornings or late evenings to make it work. But uh, if they're here in the U.S. and they're within two hours of my time zone, they're going to have to deal with regular business hours because there is absolutely no reason for me to have to take a call at any time after about six or seven in the evening. Yeah, when I had a German client, we just set up two nights a week that were or two night, yeah, two nights a week where we do like a half hour check in, and the rest of it I just operated on business hours, and I you know didn't charge extra for that time outside of what would be normal business hours. Yeah, I had yeah, a that- client in Switzerland that it was kind of like that where his end of day, like as he's like walking home from work, was like my beginning of day, and my end of day was like his beginning of day, and so we would actually. When we need to talk, we would just like schedule it for, you know, either of those that would work. And I think I was around, like I might have stayed late a couple times or he might have had to like kind of wake up early, but it was, you know, it was pretty flexible. And we both realized that this is just a chat. This is to actually do work. Um, yeah, I, I have a client in Chicago. And so when I was in Israel, we saw a lot of these problems by saying, let's have sort of like, uh, I think it was Eric was just saying, we had a, a weekly phone meeting. And even though the hours were a little weird for me, that solves some these problems because anything they want to talk about as opposed to email we just have that weekly meeting um, so then they found they felt there was less of need to contact me on an out of curiosity does everybody make these kinds of boundaries uh aware yeah. i usually don't tell them right up front hey these are my hours blah 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 typically what happens is i'll i'll let them cross that line once or twice and then i'll and and when they do call outside of what i would consider reasonable hours then I'll tell them, look, I don't usually take calls at this time. Can we reschedule? Or in some circumstances, I'll, you know, if I don't have anything else going on, then I'll say I can talk to you for 10 or 15 minutes. But if it's going to be longer than that, then we'll have to talk in the morning. And most people are pretty okay with that, especially if I tell them that I'm spending time with my family or something, which is usually what I'm doing when I tell them that they're going to have to talk to me later. Yeah, yeah I put it right on my, my contract. And then I actually have it like in my intro meeting, we actually talk about that. And I will use the line like my weekend and evening rate is based on how annoyed I am. And when I'm not hanging out with my kid in the night, I'm kind of annoyed. <laughs> and that's what it usually gets. They laugh at it, but realize like we're actually we're setting a boundary there at the same time. Well, in, yeah, in, in most cases, if they have a problem with that, they'll tell you. 
I don't have it in my contract, but I have clauses that say like, you know, developer will do something within normal business hours. And I think it's just the first meetings when I tell them like, you know, I'm around from like nine to five ish Pacific time plus or minus. And then because I, a lot of the clients I work with, I manage their servers and do kind of basic system administration stuff. So I kind of have those, you know, if we need to upgrade a server in off hours, like at nine o'clock at night, you know, that's scheduled kind of outside of it. And you can't expect that I'm going to do it. But, you know, if we can come to an agreement and I can schedule around it, I'll do it. But I don't have an annoyance fee yet. Yeah. And I tell clients for like a proper site crash, like that is something I deal with as part of my of my job. That is not an annoyance. I don't want you calling me to talk about some new feature on your site or the color of something or anything like that. If your site is like fully crashed, let me know and I will deal with it. Because I end up, I do check my email, even though my phone will still buzz when I have a message and I will listen to the message right away. And then I will decide if it really is an emergency or not. Yeah. And I, I have, I have a business line, which goes to a voice server IP phone. And so I don't have stuff going to my cell phone, but when someone calls in, I'll probably hear it throughout the house, but also I'll get an email saying I missed the call and then I'll get an email of the voicemail, like transcribed and also attached as a wave file. So, you know, if they're screaming like the server's on fire, it's actually melting down our office. Like I'll know about it. Yeah. Most of my clients have my cell number, but again, and, and usually I'm pretty good about telling them, look, this is my cell number and I really don't want you calling it unless it's an emergency where we have a scheduled call. You know, if there's something, try hitting me on Skype first. And then um, I do get the Skype notifications on my phone, but for the most part, I really don't check it unless I'm at my computer. And that yeah. that way they can hit me when I'm actually in a place where I can solve their problem. Well, that's a nice thing to do because I have mine's voice right, like I said, and I have a separate phone app on my phone for my business line so I can have them both open and receive business calls to my iPhone but I can close the app or I can you know it shows up differently as you know someone's calling you so I can decline it and I don't have to worry about that you know do not disturb stuff on the actual cellular side of it so I kind of have this you know wall stuff off so if I do want to kind of ignore someone or if I'm at a place where I can't do anything I can do that but I remember one time I was shopping and actually a server did crash and I was you know at the top floor of Ikea with my wife with my phone actually logging into their server because they called me and stuff was like going haywire and I was able to fix it that way. I think I'm probably in the minority here. I'm hard of hearing. So phone calls are really difficult for me. Uh, so I actually tell people to email me or text me um, and all that stuff goes to my phone right away, which is kind of nice. But also like my voicemail says, unless your family don't leave me a voicemail. I've just had way too many clients abuse the, abuse the text messaging. Like, over and over and even like I am in Skype and stuff I am quit Skype all the time because I have clients every four seconds saying hey what's up hey what's up despite me explaining to them that I am trying to work on a different project they wouldn't like it if everyone was bugging me when I was trying to work on their project with that I've, I've only had to go invisible once or twice on people and so I just I just set Skype to invisible and then I let the client that I'm actually doing the work for know hey I've set this to invisible and I'm just letting you know that I really am around trying to get work done for you and it works yeah. out pretty well. I'm with Curtis. I, I don't like I am. I found it a lot of the times I'm just sitting there waiting for them to type and it's like if you you know can compose your thoughts in an email and send it that way or call and you can pretty much get it done in a five minute read or just chat and just live chat it's just it's so it's synchronous so you're just sitting there waiting or especially if they're like trying to change direction of like what you're actually working on right now it's a complete block. The nice thing about doing it in text, though, is that you actually have a log of that, which mm -hmm. has actually bitten me before where I've done calls 
And um, like now, actually, if I do calls or meetings, I actually have like the client sign off on the notes because they'll say things like, oh, this was the decision we made in that meeting. And I'll be like, no, we never discussed that or that's not the decision that we reached. So now I prefer like, especially if there's an emergency, like that I have actually like a written email from them saying like, this is what went wrong. This is what I expect you to do. That way, everybody's on the same page. If that ever has to be referenced again in the future, I have it. Yeah. The thing that I've been doing lately with one of my clients is we have a weekly call on Friday where we check in uh, me, my subcontractor, and then uh, the two guys that are working on the project with us at the client. And um, I just use uh, Ecamm Call Recorder and record the call over Skype. And then I send it to everybody <laughs> so they know I have it and it's logged that way. You can't argue with that. Yeah, I've recorded client calls a bunch too in Skype and then kept it for later. But I, even if we're not recording it, then I do always follow up with notes and what the decisions were and what mm-hmm. the action items are and include it. If, like, if this list is incorrect, we need to get a correct list and say that this is the correct list from the call. And I have hounded that on a few clients that I didn't continue to work with when I had to hound them down for that, for getting that final list because they kept not going for it. So. so I have another question about boundaries. Um, we've mentioned boundaries with like calls, phone calls and IMs. What about email? Do you ever have help vampire clients that email you every five minutes or anything like that? Well, I don't let my clients read my email. That's my first boundary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we? Um, I I tell my clients basically how I build is like if I'm working on your project that's helping your business, I'm billing for it. And I give them a slide if it's like, you know, a short email where, you know, maybe five minutes is kind of my limit. But I tell them like, you know, if you're going to send me a lengthy email or one where I have to really think about or it's a chain that's going back and forth, I actually start billing for that time. They they see it on their invoice. So if they do become, like you said, a help vampire, they're getting charged for it. Yeah, yeah so do I. I. I also establish with clients that like I don't check email first thing. I decide what I'm doing the night before and then I check it like before lunch and just at the end of the day. And they know that if it's a real emergency, there's other there are other ways to get a hold of me during the day, like my phone. Like texting you. Proper emergency. Or, yes, the two clients that got my text or realized I could do that. And I actually, I use a project management software. So anything that needs to be done um, should go in there instead of an email. And I update the project management software with, you know, this is what's being working working on or uh, this is what's holding me up or this is what I need from you. So any information that they would need from me is already in that tool. Uh, so emailing me really only works for things like checking on invoices or, um, scheduling meetings. Yeah. I, I, I like the approach. I don't know. I don't know how often that works out. Um, most of the correspondence that I have with my folks is usually through the project management software and then through email. And depending on the client, it can vary anywhere from 30 to 50% of it being an email. Yeah, I mean, because I use Redmine and Chili Project with a lot of my clients. Some of them I got set up to so that they actually, they reply to me via the system. So like they basically reply to a notification. It goes into the system. So we have this big audit trail and then it gets sent right back out. Um, I found that's great, especially for a lot of the more non-technical clients because then they can actually refer back. They can search it and everyone can actually point and say, no, look, this is exactly what you said. Yeah, it's it's back to that. Yeah, the audit trail, I guess, being able to see what was said and what the details are. And and that's where these calls come in. Like I had a call with a client and I couldn't remember all the details. So I went back and played about four minutes of the call 
and then I knew what I was supposed to get done. Do you ever find that your clients ever set boundaries with you? I haven't. I've had them try to expand my boundaries as much as possible so that I'm there <laughs> all the time. But no, I've never had a client say, unless they're going on vacation and just say, hey, I'm going on vacation. I forwarded all the technical stuff to you. Can you just take care of it if something comes up for the next you know, two weeks? But no, outside of that, I've never had a boundaries. I think I've had two. I mean, one might have been, and it's kind of vague, where I was doing all the development, but I was also, you know, hooking up the development stuff to the UI. And they said, we're going to bring a designer in later. So don't even touch the UI, like just make it look stupid and functional. And then someone's going to come back and skin it later. Um, so it's kind of an informal working boundary, just, you know, team-based stuff. Another boundary I've seen is when you start working with a client, you don't have like trust built up. And so they might not let you get on the servers or they might, you know, make you jump through hoops in order to get your work done, which over time, that boundary kind of gets relaxed as you prove you, you know, you're a good guy, you know what you're doing, all that stuff. But no real like strict boundaries, I guess. Yeah, I can't say that it's happened to me either. Most of the time, they're trying to get me to open up my boundaries a little bit. Yeah, I guess I was thinking just in terms of time. I have had one potential client say that I could never work with or email or like do anything with any of the developers I met that were already working on their project. Even if I was already working with them on other stuff, we had to stop it. I said no, but I told them that I'd have to like quadruple my pricing because that they were trying to put more boundaries on me and how I did my brand, my business. And that to get that privilege, you had to pay a lot extra. Yeah, it's kind of like the NDA discussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So are there any other aspects to boundaries that we want to cover? Anything like uh, family, for example? I have an uncle that came to me with a brilliant idea and uh, how hard would this be to do? And then he proceeded to tell me how, how hard it was going to be to do. But uh, yeah, I <laughs> I sat there and I politely listened to him and then I said, well, I'll give you the family discount. And he said, well, what's that? And I said, uh, you get to pay 200%. And he got real mad at me. But basically it's, you know, just just check, you know, it, it's it's a way of checking it and saying, look, you know, Working with bound or working with family, the stakes are higher, and so you know that's the way it has to be. I will refer you to somebody else who will do a you know reasonable, reasonably good work at a reasonably good price. Yeah, I actually do do some work for my family. My dad has a contracting business, and I host his site and give him access to basically do whatever he wants with it, and don't charge him because I'm already paying for the server. And then my brother needed some e-commerce set up, and I charged him a bit to actually set it up and to make the theme but i don't work for any family outside of that yeah i guess i guess there is that i um i've been working for a few months in my spare time on a website from my dad's dental office but that is purely free and you know we we kind of have an understanding that you know i'll, I'll try and get in what i i can do for him but he he doesn't complain he does, he's not pushy about it or anything because you're not paying for it and so we have set expectations and we can deal with it on that level. But the second you get money involved, the family relation kind of goes weird. Yeah, the only thing I charge like my dad and my brother for is actual hard costs that I have, like renewing their domains. They yeah. don't even know how to do it. So I don't like I charge them for that. My brother needed a, a server for his own because of SSL stuff. And I had to charge him for that. And then for the theme he wanted to purchase. And that's about it. Other than that, I just... Tell them I'll get to it when I can get to it. And again, we got set clear boundaries right at the beginning and it has worked out quite well. Yeah, my dad takes me to lunch once a year for to pay for his um, domain. You're yeah, getting a good I, deal. 
I actually won't do work for friends or family and I other friends because then that makes it difficult. So if that friend has an issue with that person that I get stuck between the two of them. So I will tell them, you know, where to look for people to do this kind of work, what they should expect to pay, um, the kinds of things that they should have in order before they start looking for somebody to do the work. But I try and stay out of the middle of that altogether. Yeah, I've referred friends to friends, but again, I set the expectation up front. So far as I know, they do great work. Um, I know what their rate is and it's reasonable. If things don't work out, let me know and I'll refer you to somebody else. But if you have a conflict with them, I'm not getting involved. But yeah, it, it definitely gets complicated when it's a relationship outside of sort of the professional client relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also have a friend of mine that wanted me to teach him how to program and then hire him as a subcontractor. And I told him no as well. Yeah, I had one of those recently as well. And I... Yeah, I said no. Oh, can you give me your book and and I'll start, you know, learning it and then I can work for you. And I said no. I like I, that's just not going to work for me. I'd rather keep us friends. And I think I'm going to do less damage by just saying no right now. Yep. Yeah, I was also looking at hiring my sister to be a VA, and uh, I decided against that. Even though I really don't think anything will go wrong. Um, my dad hired one of his sisters as an office manager for his dental office. And when that went south, things have been really weird with that particular part of our family since. The whole relationship and working together thing is really weird. Like, there are a lot of, I guess there are a few really successful, like, husband and wife teams, like, who is a manji that does all the temple run stuff, and then uh, the beanstalk folks, and, and Von, uh, Von, whatever Eric posted, the... Theme Forest folks, the rapper company to Theme Forest and Rockable, but I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't know. I don't know if it's a personality thing or family dynamic thing for me or just that my wife is in such a totally different business than I am to think about what that kind of relationship would look like or to hire a sister or a sibling or well, whatever. It's just really weird to me. I think it depends on the couple. Like my wife and I, our first we met when we were guiding canoe trips. We spent our first summer married, like six months, well, I guess four months working together, and then we've worked together at different jobs many a time, and like close enough that our desks were back to back, and it has always worked out well. She does a little bit of uh, project management, and I guess entering some of my tax stuff because she's a stay-at-home mom now mostly, but. And she, we've talked about getting her to do more, but I know other fit people that just said they could never do it. Yeah, well, and I think it's different with your spouse because, and and I'm just speaking for our situation, obviously, but uh, we have a joint checking account. You know, the the business pays us, so all it would really do is shift where how the money came into our um, into our joint checking account because she'd get a paycheck and then I'd get a paycheck as opposed to just me getting a paycheck. Um, but when it's somebody else. Where, you know, like my sister or my dad or somebody who doesn't have that kind of control, who, you know, doesn't benefit directly from the business doing really well or not, then then the situation gets a little bit differently. I think it really depends on the person. Like my partner actually used to work with me, uh, used to work under me actually for a while. And the only rough part about that was that we couldn't shut work off because we would be at work and doing work and then go home and we live together. So 
work was still what we were talking about and it wasn't like, okay, now is like home time. So that was, that was our biggest issue. But I, I think it really depends on the, the dynamics of your relationship. And unfortunately, you can't really know until you're in that situation. So if it's not a relationship you're willing to lose, I would suggest not working with somebody that you are family or friends with. <laughs> yeah. And if there's any doubt, just don't do it. Exactly. Yeah, when we commuted back from our job, we set the boundary that once we got out of the car, we were done talking about work. That was it. After that, it was just life in general. Cool. I like that. So do you find that there are any boundaries? I'm assuming that most of us uh, work from home or, you know, sometimes go work from a coffee shop or something. How do you set the boundaries at home? I have a door that I shut. That's <laughs> the best thing. I work from home almost all the time. I don't go out to a coffee shop and I try to have a hard stop during the business day about four o'clock. And that's when my girls get home from school. And so I'm basically done client work until they go to bed and maybe I'll pick up something later. But if, if they're home and I need to do something like be on a client meeting or record this podcast or whatever, I shut the door and they're pretty good about uh, respecting that boundary. When they were younger, a, a door was like a moth to a flame. They just couldn't leave it shut, but it's not so bad now. I remember when my wife finished work to go on maternity leave and we hadn't had the baby yet. And probably the third day she came into my office and started to talk to me and I turned around and handed her $20 and told her she needed to leave the house now so that I could work. <laughs> Ever <laughs> since then, it's been really, it was like I hadn't got any work done and all the whole time she'd been home every 20 seconds. What did you think about this? And what do you think about that? And it's like, you just have to go away. <laughs> and after that it's been actually really good we have a very good thing i have a two-year-old so again the whole door thing she likes to come up but normally she keeps it to a hug before nap time and a hug before she leaves and the rest of that it's okay yeah my my wife is like that in the summertime at summertime i wanted to get to a point where i just take the entire summer off because my girls are home and my wife is home but everybody wants to be entertained and they're they're used to be able to like curtis said just come in and chat and ask some random question that's not really important and doesn't really matter, but it's on their mind. So they come in and ask a question, but yeah, my goal is to take the summer off at some point. Yeah. With, with my family, you know, same deal. I have the door on my office and if the door shut, they generally will stay out. I also have a stop sign that I bought off of Amazon and I'll see if I can find it, put a link in the show notes, but my kids know that if the stop signs up, they absolutely, absolutely should not come in the office. And it usually means that I'm recording. And the the thing is, is that if I'm in here recording and I have the stop sign up, my kids, every once in a while, my four-year-old decides that she's going to test the boundaries and come in. I have a mute button. <laughs> and so uh, about once a month um, on one of the shows, I'll have to push the mute button, turn around and tell them to get out. But other than that, you know, it's, it's really nice. And, uh, you know, I can be in here and do my thing and get stuff done. And... Uh, then I open the door when I'm ready to be bothered, or I'll just leave the office and go and get, you know, get to family time. Yeah, there's an older post I'll try to dig it up from Scott Hanselman, and he was a talk. He was talking about working from home, and he actually bought an on-air like radio studio light to put outside his office to, and he'd flip it on whenever he's recording something and needed not to be disturbed and try to maintain like audio silence, but. That's less of an issue for me than telling my girls to stop fighting when they're screaming their heads off in the basement. So, 
That's what really good noise canceling headphones are for, Jeff. That's They're great for me, all but the time. <laughs> great for me, but not great for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I know typically because my office is actually in our bedroom because we have a fairly tiny house. So it is likely that at some point in the day, my wife will have to come in and I leave the door closed, but I guess cracked if she can just come in. And then like during recording, it's actually fully shut. So even my ex say my two year old is pretty good at that still, but not perfect yet. I thought in Canada it was a hoose. <laughs> uh, that might be on the opposite side of Canada from where I am. Okay. <laughs> or, or in Dr. Seuss Lane. Yeah. Also in Minnesota. <laughs> Are there any other tricks? I mean, my, my wife pretty well, you know, minds my boundaries, I guess, but unless there's an emergency. The other thing that's nice um, that I'll mention is my wife and I both have uh, iPhones. And on Mac OS, you have the Messages app. And so a lot of times if my wife needs me, she'll just send me a text message, which comes through the Messages app. And so uh, if there's something going on, then I just get notified that way and I can pick it up kind of like through IM and then reply when I'm able to. Yeah, we do, we do the same thing here. Most of the time I'm working from um, my office, which is outside of my home, but sometimes I'm working from home and sometimes I have um, podcasts and that kind of thing that I'm on later at night. Um, so when my partner gets home, I just let him know via you know messages and then he'll just like hang out in the bedroom until I'm done and I'll give him like the all clear sign over messages so he knows that you know it's it's cool to come out and talk. Yep. Yeah, it's really handy. Well, then let's go ahead and do the picks. Eric, what are your picks? All right, so I got two picks. Um, the first one is an iOS. Uh, yeah, it's just iOS. I don't think it's on... Yeah, it's not for Mac, just iOS. It's called Drafts. Um, it's kind of like a text editor thingy, but basically you open it up and you basically can start typing text right away. And you can hook it up to different actions. So like on mine, I actually have it where... I can type something and then hit a button and it will actually send that text to me in an email, like all, all in the background. I don't have to worry about composing, you know, like, oh, find me in the address book and all that. Um, and I also have mine hooked up so like I can type something and hit a button and it automatically adds to my to-do list. I use it just to kind of get stuff like, oh, I had this thought. I want to put it someplace that I can find later instead of, you know, going in, writing an email, going into like my actual to-do list app or, you know, doing a whole bunch of other stuff. It's a quick way to just jot stuff down. Nice. And then my second pick, basically, based on what we talked about now, this is a safe for work book, even though it kind of seems kind of not safe for work. It's called Sleeping with Your Business Partner. Um, it's all about um, if you're working together with your partner and they're in your business, whether it's, you know, you guys are like kind of equals, like you're both doing the same work or it's like maybe one's helping out. But it's really nice. I got it and took a whole bunch of notes on it because my wife was going to help me with my work for a little while. But it's a lot about like, okay, how do you, how do you kind of separate personal and business life? Or do you want to integrate it? You know, different kind of questionnaires of like figuring out how people would work or, you know, if there's a problem, if one person's going to just kind of, you know, bring it up right away or if they're going to kind of let it steam a little bit and then explode later. It's pretty nice because it lets you really explore kind of the different personal dynamics and how that's going to actually come out and working. So I recommend it. It's, uh, it looks like it's only on paperback, but it's totally worth it. Nice. Curtis, what are your picks? I'm going to pick Fluid App, which just lets you uh, make websites into an application or more like an application right on your desktop. The feature I'm loving most is that you can set it to have uh, like a keyboard shortcut to bring up that Fluid App window, which is nice. That's the big thing I hate about web apps you're, that you're using is you don't just have system-wide keyboard shortcuts. That's all I've got today. All right, Jeff, what are your picks? All right, I've got one 
and it's a Postman. It's a Google Chrome uh, REST interface. It, it, um, it's an extension for Google Chrome, and it lets you do uh, all the uh, RESTful operations with XML and JSON, and it'll pretty print it and add headers and all that stuff. But what really struck me as cool is the ability to basically create sessions. And so uh, I work, uh, one of my clients, I'm, I develop an API for them. And so it's nice to take a session of a certain path through the code. There's something the UI is doing to save that off as a session of requests. Uh, so that's my pick for today. Awesome. Ash, what are your picks? I just have one today. Uh, I've kind of been burning through um, this book called uh, Shift, which is the second part in the Wool series. Wool is a book I mentioned on here before that I, I really love. It's a really great science fiction book, and it's pretty cheap on the Amazon Kindle store. But it's basically about these people who live in an underground silo that they don't know that there are, uh, they think that they're the last people on Earth, but there are actually 49 other silos. So kind of discovering that these other people are out there. Awesome. I've got a couple of picks here. The first one is Google Apps. Um, that's what I use for my email. Really, really like it. The other pick that I have is a TV show that I've been watching with my wife, and that is Fringe. I've been really enjoying it. We're almost done with the entire series. The last season we're not liking as much as the rest of the series, but we were enjoying it, and uh, we've got like three episodes left before the end of the season. So anyway, we'll wrap this up. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, Thanks. For those of you in the U.S., have a terrific 4th of July, or I guess I hope you had a terrific 4th of July. And uh, for those of you hey, who are in Canada... you mean Canada. It was Canada Day yesterday. Yeah, and those of you in Canada, we hope you had a terrific 1st of July, and we'll catch you all next week.